No, make your um, Louis Vuitton face. Hello and welcome to a special lockdown episode of Grape Culture, the podcast where three women drink wine remotely, talk about pop culture and what is going on in the world. Oh, and also some feminism. On this week's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the 2019 film Hustlers, starring Constance Wu and Jennifer Lopez. I was about to call her Jennifer Lawrence. I got the wrong name. <laughs> <laughs> it's because usually she's J-Lo. J-Lo. Um, yeah, so starring J-Lo off of Jenny from the block and all that kind of stuff. Um, but before we get into our thoughts on the film, whether we thought it was traditionally heisty or strippery, uh, we've got some booze to talk about, I think. So what's everyone got today? I made an actual effort for once, okay. uh, only because <laughs> I I had to go to the shop anyway to buy bread. So I tried to buy something that looked a bit fancy. Um, which is the Quintessence Mediterranean Rosé 2019 uh, off of M&S, suitable for vegans. Oh, nice. I like a light-coloured rosé, so I may get that if you seem to think it's nice. Yeah, well, I mean, Sam has already identified that she was less than impressed when she tried it yesterday. Um, But we'll see, because Sam and I don't always see eye to eye. Uh, style is fruity and refreshing. With, with wine or just in general? <laughs> just in general. Fucking hate Delete as appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> so with, with wine, we have different tastes. Um, so style, fruity and refreshing. Taste, strawberry and citrus. Food, seafood and picnics. Uh, not sure that that's the same thing, but all right. Um, <laughs> a wonderfully fresh and fruity French rosé with enticing aromas of berries, citrus and peach. Made with Merlot and Grenache grapes grown in the perfect Mediterranean climate to give freshness and intense flavours, served chilled. Alex, what have you got? So I have got uh, <laughs> San Marco Tribbiano Pinot Grigio from Italy, from Sainsbury's more specifically. Um, and it was a barg. At like four pound eighty five or something, Jesus um, but I have no, I have had it before and I actually really like it, which is why I bought it again. Um, unfortunately, it tells me how many calories are in each glass, so that's joyous. Um, don't read it. <laughs> yeah, but it's right underneath the tasting. I don't usually read it, but it's over, and I don't usually read the tasting notes, but it's right underneath them, and I'm going to read you those tasting notes. Um, this delicate Italian white wine is crisp and fresh with lovely. <laughs> Lovely aromas. I feel like that's very general. Um, oh, of citrus and apple <laughs> blossom. Sorry, I assumed there was a full stop. There was not. It's refreshing notes of peaches and lemon. Two more fruits that are not citrus or apple. Oh, well, lemon is citrus. Anyway, <laughs> can you tell I've already had half a bottle? <laughs> Make it the perfect match for pasta with pesto or grilled fish. There you go. It's fresh. I so because we we're t- doing a film about um strippers I thought and it's a very like glitzy film not necessarily the the plot but there's a lot of naughty Nuts. sling in it uh yeah exactly I went for a prosecco because I thought that was appropriate and I went for the Fresnay prosecco uh which so is it the one in the like diamond defined bottle um trying to be posher than it is at 9 quid <laughs> and it says, made from the finest grapes of northern Italy, Fresno Prosecco is a delicate delight for the palate. Fresh and fruity with aromas of flowers, citrus and apple. So much apple today, guys. I know. Um, this Prosecco summer's, is a perfect... It's a summer's evening. Exactly. This Prosecco is a perfect sparkling for celebrating big and small moments. Enjoy! I does will. it say enjoy? It does. Oh, apples. Nice. apples are for all those um, apple bottom jeans. Boots and the boots with the fur. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Ding. Mine kind of feels like if you melted a Solero. So, Hustlers, film. Yes. I just thought I'd explain a little bit by the reasoning of why we chose to do Hustlers now. Because um, obviously it's a 2019 film. It was it was all sort of buzzy last year. Um, and the reason I chose it is mostly because I saw that it popped up on Prime. And I uh, I never got a chance to see it last year. 
but I heard a lot about it. I heard a lot about um a lot about Constant Wu Constance Wu, a lot about J Lo, a lot about um Lizzo is in it and Cardi B is in it. And um a lot of big names were in it and that it was like a pack, you know, like the 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 blogs that I was reading and stuff were saying how much fun it was and how interesting it was, and then it was loosely connected to a true crime story that I didn't know about. So I thought that was like an interesting twist, but I just never got a chance to see it. And to be honest, didn't really think that it was going to be my cup of tea, um, as evidenced by the fact that I'm the kind of person that says my cup of tea, <laughs> not my glass of crystal. <laughs> Um, but then, yeah, I saw it came up in Prime. I knew that it was female-centric. I knew that it was, I believe, directed by mm. a woman or the screenplay was by a woman. It's based off an article by a woman, um, a, a journalist. It's the, same, it's the same writer and the same writer and director who's female. Yeah. She wrote and the screenplay wrote and directed it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so written and directed by a woman, featuring all these women, and then was... I mean, if you pay attention to this kind of shit, notoriously snubbed at the Oscars, despite being one of the like biggest, buzziest uh, uh, films of last year, it's set in the same era as The Wolf of Wall Street or, or um, The Big Short and stuff of like the 2008 financial collapse, which obviously were huge Oscar films. And it's telling very similar stories, um, but didn't receive the same oscar appreciation and there's a there's a question there also i thought that it might might be a little bit fun considering that we're living in an actual hellscape wow <laughs> i love that you were like oh and actually it might be fun right at the end yeah. otherwise. <laughs> otherwise what's the point in watching a film <laughs> so first impressions overall impressions good film bad film enjoyed it didn't enjoy it i did I uh, I don't know, <laughs> which is really helpful. I I don't know. I just I think it felt like it was trying to do something and not quite doing it. Um, I think I think it felt like it was trying to tell this message of wow, aren't women exploited and isn't everything bad and that you know that it just didn't it didn't say anything new to me I was like yeah all of this is clearly shit what what's your comment what's your angle on this do you know what I mean Mm. yeah yeah I don't feel like it did a good enough job of of saying of saying something unique I did however enjoy it because it was fun yeah, it was fun. Um, I I really loved it. I thought it was really great. I thought it was a really great film. Um, in terms of, yeah, I don't necessarily think it's saying anything groundbreaking in terms of stuff that we as, you know, feminists and women that kind of talk about these kind of subjects, um, yeah, it was not anything groundbreaking in that respect. I thought the direction was really clever um I thought there was some kind of there was no kind of majorly laugh out loud moments but I just thought that and this sounds really pathetic but the choices of like camera angles were really great I really enjoyed um you know just there were moments that you're like oh like I wouldn't have chosen that um, you know, just like at the end where JLo's like kind of walking down the street and it's like just on her velour kind of hoodie for a really long time and just people around her. I just, it it was quirky not to use that in a kind of like, oh, female quirky, but like I just direction wise was something that I haven't seen in a while um, or like chose things that I haven't necessarily seen. Um Yes, it was really good fun. Um, I thought the dancing was really great. I thought um, none of the characters were particularly likable, but I was kind of okay with that because you're thrown into a world which is... Morally ambiguous. Yeah, exactly. So um, 
I think I never, I didn't have any um, expectations or I, I didn't necessarily actually hear too much of a hype about this film. Um, Kim telling me about it was actually the first I'd heard of it. So um, I think that's why I went into it completely like open and really enjoyed it. It was just what I needed on a Monday evening after a day of not much to preoccupy myself. And then I got to stare at JLo's bum and watch a <laughs> film that's, I feel um, women trying to empower themselves. Yeah, a couple of things from that. Like, I, I have mixed feelings about the film, but I don't necessarily think that it's not doing something unique is is a criticism. Um, we've talked about this before, which is that there are a lot of films that tell similar stories of, you know, like plucky young heroes and blah, 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 blah. And it may not necessarily be, like, the message itself of like bad shit happens to women isn't that unique to us but actually it being shown on screen in a big budget luxe entertaining money making film is still relatively new and I think that there is like you said Sam a moral ambiguity about it that you don't get a lot of films where a character is either like is a female character is allowed to be morally ambiguous still i i still think you get predominantly there's got to be a message and a heart and oh she's like strippers done good and that sort of stuff and i was glad that it wasn't a strippers done good film um or you know is that a Netflix like, category <laughs> it probably is <laughs> yeah, um, probably. and i f- i think that there were a lot of really interesting th- parts of it that it wasn't it wasn't just a film that was trying to show the world that women can be morally ambiguous or that people had it hard in 2008 and women were being taken advantage of in you know in the wake of me too now being made now but it was also it felt like a film about how women judge women as well as how men judge women and i thought like the julia styles character the journalist was a really interesting her portrayal and her um she was only in it for a short amount of time, but there were a lot of characters in it where, excuse me, there was a bit of, you know, like that same thing that I think that I struggle with, which is you're doing something morally wrong. Kim, what have you been doing? (laughs) Drugging old men on the street. Yeah, just cash. It's that revenge thing. It's like, well, you're doing something that is bad, but you're doing it to bad people in a kind of weird Robin Hood way. But then it goes too far. But on the one hand, you're it's the anti-hero thing, but you don't get that many female anti-heroes. But like one of the central characters is played by Lily Reinhardt, who is relatively new on the scene, ingenue, styly, because she's in Riverdale. It was like and a like, one. yeah. And the, I think the thing that sets this part sets it apart for me is you've got oceans, whatever it is, which hinges really hinges on the star power of what's her name, Kate Blanchett, <laughs> and star, absolute star. Forgot her name. You know what I mean? Like you've got you've got Kate um, Blanchett, Sandra Bullock, Sandra Bullock, and you've got Anne Hathaway, and you've got someone else. Melissa in it. McCarthy in it? In yeah, part? probably. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I thought that even though it didn't necessarily tell a new story, I thought that the story that it was telling was worth being told. And I thought that it was told really well. Like there are no new stories. And I would take, I would take strippers done bad, good, bad, then good again, then bad, then good again. Over. (laughs) You're having a stroke. (laughs) (laughs) They heard Skype's just like frozen. (laughs) Yeah. But I would take that bad, good, bad strippers over men in trenches have hard time 
are sad. Like, anything. oh yeah, definitely. I want to look like that dancing on a pole. Well, I think that brings us to a point that I'd like to talk about later, which is uh, how much can you comment on this film without commenting what the women look like? We can talk about yeah, that now. Maybe yeah, I mean, now. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's our podcast, right? damn it. We can do whatever structure we fucking well please. I think this is one of those things that doesn't really have an answer because it's a story it's a story that is interesting and I think it's lack of originality in terms of the message, yes, might not count against it. My point was more um for something that was so per- like uh expected to get Oscars. I watched it and I was like, I don't understand why this is so expected. like I don't see what in this what made it such a shock when it wasn't nominated. I was just like, I don't get it. Anyway. No, I was just going to say because I suppose essentially there's this kind of rise of um, films that are so far pass- passing that I always want to say Bechamel test and it's not Bechamel at all. <laughs> what is it? Bechdel. Bechdel. You know, and it's really sad that that is kind of like, woo, a rise of films where it's characters that don't always talk about men. And I suppose to an extent they are because they're the people they're scamming are men, but they're, you know, talking about it on their terms and it's not just about love or, you know, whatever mm, the kind of have, cliche is. They have um, plenty of conversations that aren't about men and it's, you know, like there's a real yeah. friendship bond there. But a lot of the conversations I, I love... that aren't about men are about motherhood or clothes. Mm. Yeah, or all friendship. It, I mean, one of my favourite scenes is at the end where uh, J-Lo's character is talking about... Um, Ramona. Yeah, Ramona's talking about um, her friendship with, that obviously has gone sour Um but yet still there's this kind of acceptance and I really loved that. It wasn't like, I hate you for taking the easy way out kind of thing. Um, and then at the end when she's talking about um, that she's got a picture of her friend in her purse still and she carries that around with her. That was like one of my favourite scenes. Cause I hated I, that scene. Oh, I just thought it was just so unexpected because for so long I thought that it was going to be that she completely backstabbed her. Because she was, you know, because you're made to think that she's completely out for herself. And then actually to just kind of the thing she focused on was her friend's childhood and the fact that she keeps a picture of her. I just, I don't know. I just thought that was so endearing and lovely. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. See, my reason I hate that scene was because I felt like it was, it completely undid this image of Ramona and I don't know if that was intentional like I don't know if it was supposed to be that Dorothy slash Destiny had been like um building up this Ramona is this calculating cold bitch persona thing going on and then actually it turns out that Ramona was just kind of the same you know like relatively the same as everyone else and a bit more of an every woman than than maybe Destiny felt and that was what they were trying to do. But it just made her seem dithery. Like, I just didn't get it. It felt really, really... The way she talked about her, like, in the scene she talks about, why oh, you know, I, a bunch of stuff got stolen from my flat. And I saw, was with this guy. And I keep this picture right here. And this is, like, the picture of my grandfather. And this is this and this is that. And it just felt... It just didn't match up to anything else that we'd seen of her. And whether that was the point or not, I don't know. But the fact that I didn't know bothered com- me. Because I, I completely disagree. I completely disagree because throughout the whole film, yeah, she's made out to be like money driven, but she's also completely made out to be driven by her daughter and driven by her friends. It's all about friendship for her. It's all about friendship in different ways for both of them. But like the fact that she's like, she loves the underdog. She wants to support them. She wants them to get to the, the best they can possibly be. Like she's completely supporting other people throughout the whole thing. And so when you're kind of like, actually, I don't see that, for me, I didn't see this person that Destiny was talking about. I, for me, the, see, uh, Ramona's through line was completely the same throughout. See, I feel like her friendship thing, that's not why I'm arguing against, but she seemed stupid. 
in that last scene, in my opinion, she seems a bit dumb or a bit dithery or a bit like not really thinking two steps ahead, regardless of friendship or not. Like it's not about her and having that picture with the friendship, which was a little bit like now kiss babe, um, Barbies, but still um, like regardless of that, I actually just felt like in that whole scene, she just seemed like she was prattling. So the, the actual plot for anyone that may not have seen it. And it's just like, I don't know who any of these people are and what the shit is going on. Um, is go and watch it come back <laughs> go do your homework and then come and listen to us um so it's based on a true story uh about um it was based off an article that was published in new york magazine i think it was um originally about these this group of um former strippers who after the uh financial crash in 2008 um had come up with a scheme by which they were essentially drugging rich Wall Street type men um, running up huge bills on their cards, profiting off it. Um, and yeah, then basically hustling, as the title might suggest. Um, and then, yeah, this is, they've kind of adapted this. They've adapted this for film. A lot of the facts I looked into, a lot of the what you see on the screen in the film is very similar to the actual story. There hasn't been a huge deviation from the facts. Um as ridiculous as it might seem at points. Apparently that was actually how it happened. Um, but yeah, Constance Wu plays a character called Dorothy or Destiny is her stage name. And Ramona um, is played by J-Lo. Um, Ramona's kind of the ringleader. Interestingly, she's just called Ramona all the way through. She doesn't seem to have a... Yeah, so that's the basic premise. And then it's about these women. They recruit other women to help them and they drug men with a mixture of ketamine and MDMA. It, of sorts, it is a heist movie. Um, how do you think it adheres to those kind of heist movie principles? Would you, would you class it as one? Would you class it as something else? Discuss. <laughs> um, There's that film, uh, 21 about the poker players who did the counting oh, cards. Yeah. yeah and that. things like that. Like, <laughs> But always, yeah. I suppose your I suppose your point being predominantly a, a guy group that hustle people. My actual point about or women that movies. are like sexy, even though these yeah. are sexy as well. But like usually the woman is like goes in to be the sexy one and seduce them, and that's their only uh, job within the heist. Yeah, I think that's what I was going to say. Like, the point of the, the, the comparison that I have to heist movies, necessarily, not that I, again, not that I watch a whole lot of them, but, like, there's there's the tropes that I think you do see in this film, which is, you know, you've got the gang of unlikely friends who team up to pull off a con of some des- description, and there's always a loose cannon and there's always a weak link, and there's always a charismatic leader, and there's always like a straight man, like the person who there's is always a straight person. man everywhere you yeah. look. Straight man, always. Uh, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> the person who's telling the story, who's ostensibly the moral one, um, quote unquote. And I think, like, I think this film hits those tropes, but I also think that there's a subversion in it because the famous. I think the most famous probably in modern pop culture heist film is Ocean's Ocean's Eleven, which is very glamorous, famous men being attractive and glamorous in casinos. And then Matt Damon, yeah. And then Matt Damon. Um, And like, that's kind of, that's what you think of, but you do think of there's an element of, um, there's an element of Lux, like we said earlier, where you're sort of, dressing to impress and being quite flash which they do um and there's this always this sort of like smarter nearly getting caught but they're never really going to get caught thing and then they do but i thought it was interesting that this film this film and oceans i want to say seven is the all-female one um oceans female Ocean's Female came out relatively soon, like close together. And they're 
because there's so many people in each film, there's an element of that, like, well, they could be the same. Like, there's an element of similarity between the two. Um, and I just, I just thought that that was interesting that, that we're telling this story, this kind of fe- women in heist story now. Whereas previously, all the other heist stories that we mentioned are either all male or all male plus one, as you said, Alex, like sex pot, basically, who's there to seduce people. Um, and in, in this one, they're all there to seduce people, but they are also able to be multifaceted chemists, plotters, seducers, businesswomen, mothers, friends, sisters granddaughters like they are multi-dimensional characters as opposed to George Clooney's wife (laughs) Julia Roberts who pretends to be Julia Roberts to trick Bruce Willis one of the worst plot points I've ever seen (laughs) (laughs) but if it's not reminiscent necessarily of heist movies as we said that as you've said Ken there aren't a huge amount that stick out um particularly with with women. Is it reminiscent of any other films to you guys? Because I thought Magic Mike, when I watched it, that's what I got in my head, Magic Mike and Burlesque. Because they take their clothes off. Yeah, but not just that. With Magic Mike, it's done in that very like, oh, it's a film about strippers. Oh, but actually everything is shit and not as it seems like it. And it's shot in quite a similar way. Um, there's it goes beyond hot people taking their clothes off. It's it's like there's there are similarities on other levels. Yeah, Magic Mike's not necessarily a crime film, but mm. it's yeah yeah I know what you mean. Like uh, similar to kind of like um, do you know what it reminded me of? Actually, uh, again, totally different, but like kind of. Save the Last Dance and Eight Mile and that kind of um, other side kind of grittiness. I think it was the quality of the film as well. There was like a, I don't know if it was a choice because it was kind of like early noughties and like everything just seems a little bit, like the colour seems different. Do you know what I mean? It felt like you were in a club. Like it was club. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like the colour palette was was like that. That and kind it made of me purple neon, but like muted neon. Yeah, and even everything down to the costumes they were wearing, the it was like, like the what they were it was wearing, like a music video. It felt like a music. Yeah, video. it. I just think that the costume and the the set and everything. I think they did an incredible job of being two thousand and eight. Like it was vividly two thousand and eight. But yeah, I think some of the oh, it's difficult, isn't it? Because stripper lingerie <laughs> is a definite look um but there was definite lingerie in this film that i was like oh i like that i want it <laughs> i'll tell you one thing though this was my gripe about the film and this is so pathetic that this is my gripe okay why <laughs> did destiny's character carry around that little fucking handbag all the time and no one else had a handbag it drove me mad no i checked insane two of them two other people did i checked because i was like oh is this, okay is this like a prop thing have they forgotten that she's got a bag and oh just did, rolling did, with did it? you notice it as well that it wasn't just me getting it, oh, it, was it was fucking bag. that little silver shoulder bag it was yeah. so weird yeah. and i'm like i know you need something to carry your dollar bills in but like why isn't every i didn't That's see anyone else <laughs> yeah i just really irritated me it was like you're it looks like you're about to leave you're not leaving you're there for the night i've never seen a bag and gone you know what that goes well with cupless lingerie okay i think we should probably take a small breaklet there but before we go uh and have a wee should we talk about the wine that we've had <laughs> <laughs> break it. I did break, break it. I also Anklet. enjoyed that you sang Have a Wee. <laughs> All right. Um, sorry, I'll do it deadpan, shall I? We're going to take a break, but first let's talk about our wine. It's yeah. less sweet now that I'm drinking it, but that's that's about it. It's rose, it's fine. It's not good rose I'm, though. It's just- I'm really glad my 48 pack of Gabascon arrived today. So <laughs> I really like my wine. 
I'm really into this wine. I'm really sad that I haven't got a Sainsbury's really close to me. What I do is like 10 minute walk, uh, 15. Okay, so we're having a mixed time with our wines. I think Alex and I are quite happy. Kim seems less so. Um, but let's have a little break. Come back, talk some more about JLo's bum. So we're back from our break. I think we're all still continuing on the same wine, which is unusual for us. Normally by this point, at least one of us has changed. I do have a second bottle of wine in my fridge, which I'm sure I'll be cracking open at some point, which is a Blossom Hill White Zinfandel. Because I asked my boys... That is 2008 wine. That is is 2008 wine. Um, And it's because I asked my boyfriend earlier to go to the shop and buy me some, and I just said, get me whatever. Um, And that's what he came back with. He was like, is that all right? I was like, yes, I did not give you guidance. This is on me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was never a fan of Blossom Hill. Luckily, it's non-vegan friendly, so I I can't drink it anymore. can't even slightly be tempted by the weather spoonsiness of it all. Although I do feel it fits quite in a strip club because I would expect to drink Blossom Hill in a strip club because I'm a snob. I'll tell you a, a story about me being in a strip club. Um, I was uh 16 17 years old um and i went out no in maidenhead slightly classier than slough um but it was the honey pot so i mean that's not really a kind of like too classy strip club um but it was the only place left open in maidenhead because everywhere else had shut our usual uh, kind of haunting ground that was Chicago's or Fats with a PH uh, um, was shut. So um, but also I did get kicked out of those places because they realised I had fake ID. So, um, but anyway, we were walking the streets of Maidenhead and we wanted another beverage and the honeypot was open. And luckily the bouncer that manned the door at the honeypot is also the bouncer that worked at Tempin Bowling Alley where I worked on a Saturday. So he let me in and, <laughs> and I was with people. I wasn't just by myself because that's weird. Um, and <laughs> you think we went... We went into the honeypot and um, the drinks were so expensive at the time. In hindsight, it was like £4.80 for a double vodka. And I was like, how much? <laughs> um, and we sat in the really cheap, like velour, not even velvet kind of seats. And um, a woman came over to me and she had uh, like nipple tassels on and a thong. And she sat on my lap and her, oh. like, yeah and her bum cheeks like spread over my lap and I was just so kind of taken back by this moment that um I don't think I could even finish my what was then expensive vodka and uh then I went home you went to a strip club uh, what not- did you expect well okay and the second story about going to a strip club was in Warwick and it was the only Warwick. place that was left. Yeah, I was in Warwick and it was the only place that was left open. Everywhere else had shut. It, I was, I think I was like 18. I was 18 because um, it was in my gap year and I was visiting a friend at their uni. Um, only place left open, but we didn't realize that it was a strip club. We were just like, last place open. Woo. Went in. I was bursting for a wee for so long. The queue was really big because it was the last place open. Um Bursting, bursting for a wee. Everyone else went into the club. I went straight to the toilet and then walked into the toilet. There was a woman in there in her underwear. And I thought she'd got so drunk that she'd taken her clothes off. And I just went, oh my God, are you okay? And she was like, yeah, I'm fine. Oh, no. I was like, how weird. Like, what? Like, okay, whatever. Went for a wee, went into the club and was like, oh, it's a strip club. Speaking of strippers and strip clubs, because that is obviously a big part of the film. They, they the casting directors, um, chose J-Lo, uh, who is obviously a big star, a big person, big a-list celebrity um more commonly known for her pop career than her acting although she has been in several things made in manhattan is the only one that i can think of because it was dire um (laughs) she's in monster and lord she's in the wedding planner she's in something about save the dance for me and she's in 
a lot of things. She started as an actress. But arguably she is better known for the... Yeah, no, she's definitely better known for pop music. Okay. So she was chosen for this role. Um, which is, again, as we said, it's a. she starts off as a stripper and then... I was going to use the word graduates, but I don't think that's the word. Um, moves on to hoodwinking men for money school. with drugs. <laughs> Graduation <laughs> stripper school. Um, see, now, this is one of the issues I have with this film. Is I feel like the casting and the subject matter was a marketing choice in terms of... Jada is now 50 years old. Um, which not, I can't believe. Which is which is madness because she looks better than I did at eighteen, and I I'm very mad about it. But the point is, this is a woman who has been has made a living off looking good for for a lot. Not it's not the only thing she's done, but it is a big part of why she's successful. I would say is the way she looks. Um, and I feel like a, the, the casting of her in this role was a bit of a. Come and see Jennifer Lopez take her clothes off. Like, do you not? And that I was a talking really point. And when I feel wa- that, when I watched it, I was like, I want to be conscious that on the podcast we don't just go, "Oh my god, wasn't J Lo sexy? Wasn't she amazing?" Because because it defeats the point of the film. But now the fact that we're talking about it, and I brought it up, I I don't know. I just I, I feel I really didn't feel that. I really didn't feel like the point of this sh- film was to watch JLo take her clothes off. And I feel like it's a bonus, obviously. because she's a boner. Yes. It's a boner. Lady boner. <laughs> um, but why, Dom? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry, Kim. Carry on. <laughs> The phrase wide on makes me so uncomfortable. It's so gross. It's because it sounds like a parking it's garage. It's so gross. It's horrible. <laughs> I didn't feel like that the marketing was about... I, th- I felt like, you know, like, J-Lo's inherent sexiness is clearly a factor in why she got chosen. Because she oozes oh. charisma. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear about she, her oozing no, charisma. But she's Uniqueness, a, she's a sexy talent. person, and if you're gonna sell, if you're gonna sell a sexy character, you you know you've got to sell a sexy character, and I you know she can do that because she is a sexy woman. I felt like a lot of the marketing around this film, a lot of the shots in this film, um, and the story of this film was not. While it employed. Jennifer Lopez's inherent sexiness. I didn't feel like it was pivoted or hinged on it or relied on it. I didn't necessarily notice any more than I had already her physicality so much as her, like the way that she was presenting herself, a a, a kind of confidence. And I, I know this sounds trite and like I'm making this up, but genuinely, I think. This film is full of the female body, perfect, beautiful specimens of the female body in all sorts of ways that I can never hope to be. But also in that, in ways that I we are, like it was it was varied and it was different, and it wasn't just any one type of body, and that in showing all these different types of bodies and all these different types of poses and all this kind of like sexuality, but very much not from a male gaze. It really, it really didn't feel like it was from a male gazey. These are all waifs for our enjoyment. It it felt like it was. This is a celebration of movement and form. No, granted, I see that. But my point is, this this role is not, uh, let's say it's not age-specific. It's um, not um, ethnicity-specific. There's it, it, it could have been anybody, basically, in this role. But if they'd chosen a 32-year-old woman, for example, then you wouldn't... Like, I was pulled out of it because I was like, I know how old this woman is, and, and this is a different thing, but, like, I... <sighs> 
I feel like it made it more of a focus because of who she is and her age. And it it's really suspended hard to your disbelief. Yeah, yeah. Because if it was just because you're not seeing I didn't Ramona, know. you're seeing J Lo. Exactly. But the whole point, well, the whole uh, kind of um, backstory to this woman, to an extent, is the fact that she was an, an older stripper, mm. um, which actually she was only like 30-something, which isn't, obviously, we're all in our 30s, so to us that's not old. But in terms of the longevity of a career – where, where you're objectified for your body is usually like 20s because, mm. you know, that's when you're seen for the male gaze to be beautiful. So um, that was kind of a main thing to do with this woman's story and why she took girls under her wing and blah, blah, blah. So I don't think it's a bad thing that you're aware that J-Lo is an older woman. It just makes us aware that we're like, we don't look like that in our early 30s and she's 20 years older older than us. But it made me think, great, I've got 20 years to look like that. <laughs> Which made me feel better. <laughs> but you haven't got millions of pounds to look like that. I do completely understand your, uh, it's J-Lo. Like you're watching the film and you're like, oh, it's J-Lo. Which J-Lo, J-Lo. That, that I really understand because that's a lot of my criticism about a lot of films. And it's been my criticism about like live action Disney and stuff like that. Where you're like, oh, it's Beyonce. Like you're not. It's not Nala, it's Beyonce. Or um, in the most like Emma it's Watson, the Rock as Johnson. Bell. <laughs> it's Emma Watson as Belle. Like you're like, oh, that's Emma Watson as Belle. This Emma, what is Hermione Granger as Belle? Celebrity and, overtakes like, it's the character. Not, yeah, and that really, really bothers me. I think the only reason that it worked for me in this is because it was because it was J Lo. <laughs> But like I think that she is she's a massive name and yet I still felt at times a little bit lost and wrapped up in the story. And that I thought was powerful. And I think that I couldn't pick another actress to play Ramona. But um I I really think she did a great job. I I trusted her in terms of I watched it and really got she was who she said she was. You've touched on not thinking that Jennifer Lopez should be cast, should be nominated for any kind of Oscar, even though that's that's the conversation. But do you not think this film should have been any and any kind of Oscar conversation? Because I definitely think that it is as good as other films this Oscars and we had the Oscars conversation earlier this year and like I definitely think I'm not saying it's best picture I'm not saying that but I definitely think that it I'm surprised that it was not acknowledged at any point I haven't seen enough of the other competition from 2019 in terms of films to be able to comment on that fair enough yeah Um, me too Fair enough. If, I, if I'd seen all the nominees. Yeah. Um, listeners, I'd really like to know because I only have sort of a couple of viewpoints of people that I already follow and don't always agree with, but like already know what they think. So I'd be really interested if you've watched Hustlers and you have opinions about its Oscar nomination ship or not and JLo or not or any of that I'd really like to know um you can email us or you can leave us a comment on Instagram or you can leave us a comment on Twitter uh contact details at the end of the podcast so obviously this is not as straightforward as this film might first appear um but it has a lot of different themes different questions that it's brought up but ultimately do you think this is a as feminists, do you feel this is a feminist film? I think so, in that it's not a film... Like, I think there's a misconception that a feminist film has to be a film in which women win, or in which women are always good. And this film is neither of those things. This is film is not a film in which women 
triumph necessarily and it's not a film like at the end and it's not a film where women are particularly likable or good but it is a film that tells a story about women doing the same shit that men do and it it tells a story of successful women and women owning their power and owning their sexuality and it's very much framed in a viewpoint of as much as a film about strippers can be I don't feel like it's particularly male gazy I think that it's very much about like women and friendship and bonds and power and knowledge I think it's multifaceted which I think is the most feminist thing that it could be because it's the same kind of story that is told about men and has been told about men since talkies were invented, where men have many different aspects to their personality and they get to do this and they get to do that and they get to be good and they get to be bad and they get to win and they get to fail. But it's about women and not just women, but women of a multitude of different backgrounds and economic stratas and everything and I thought that I thought that it was very much like I think that it's a film about looking at people differently looking at things differently understanding like it's about understanding the different ways that you can relate to someone because I, I like as I said earlier about Julia Stiles' character, the journalist, you know, she has this moment where she says, I'm not gonna pretend like I feel sorry for these guys. I don't. I think they deserved it. And like I do feel sorry for the people, but I also think they deserved it. It's a very complicated narrative. And I think that's the point. It's a very complicated narrative story about women doing something bad but for good reasons and it's the kind of nuanced multifaceted story that is historically mostly been told about men and for that reason alone I think it's feminist and then you also add in the fact that it's a predominantly female cast it's a ethnically diverse cast it's a female director it's about it's about a story of equality and diversity and bringing things poverty and bringing things like not just about women but predominantly about women like it addresses so many different facets of life that i i truly feel like for all its flaws it's a feminist film yeah um i I really think it is feminist in terms of, uh, like, Kim, I, I think you were kind of alluding to it as well, like you saying how um, people feel that feminist films should be when women win and stuff like that. But I suppose if we go back to the kind of uh, heart of what feminism is, it's just about uh, real women and being true and real yeah. stories and um, essentially, you know, these, well, it is a real story because it was a true story. Um, and these women are portrayed in a very kind of real way because, you know, they're not all good and they're not all bad. And um, there's lots of kind of humps and stuff to mm-hmm. their storyline. And they literally, and they have to deal with it. And just because they're in a profession that is objectifying women, Um, you know, that's real life. A lot of women do have to do and do choose to do that job. And that doesn't necessarily make it, you know, unfeminist. It's just real women are doing that job and have so many different kind of levels to their personality. And some choose to do it because it empowers them in a certain way. Um, I feel that equality, like feminism, is being equally real. And these women's stories are portrayed equally real to a lot of male stories we see in films. So for me, yes, I feel it's very a feminist film. And that's why I enjoyed it so much. I completely agree. But one thing you said there just reminded me that not just the female characters in this film, 
there are male characters in this film that also get full stories and full recognition of the fact that they're not just Wall Street assholes. They are people with lives and stories and and families and, and experiences. And I think that that is particularly um, telling to it being a truly feminist film because it's not just men bad, women good. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so nuanced. It is a portrait of human life in which there is no black and white. Yeah, I think it... I, I agree. I think fundamentally it is a feminist film and I think the fact that no one is... That women aren't held up to be this shining example of morality um, or that women somehow know how to do it better, I think that is very important because I think there's this expectation that feminism comes with um, being, quote, better than and uh, no it's not about being better than or whatever in any way it's about being equal to and women can be shit men can be shit that's the point um but i think there are a few points that the film falls down on i think kim you said you used the the term um uh owning their sexuality um I don't think this is the film in which that is explored properly because their sexuality is not the issue here. Their commodity as a sexual object is very different from someone's sexuality. Um, mm-hmm. And I very think true. that's a difference. This is women using that commodity mm-hmm. to their advantage. This is not women being able to express themselves sexually in a free way because there is none of that in this film. Not that there should be, because that's you can't compare every aspect. Um, but yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point. Yeah, it's a really good point because it's, um, that's a phrase that is used very easily expressing one's sexuality. But what you're saying about it actually being expressing your self as a sexual commodity—that's, I think, that's a really important distinction that I would not have thought to just think <laughs> to distinct. <Wow. laughs> Distinguish. Carry on. Um, Yeah, so I think there's that. And also, I think there's a, I think it can be quite heavy handed. And I think this finessing of the feminist message is going to take some time. And it's not necessarily there yet. We saw it when we talked about Wonder Woman. Um, And I think that there's a really, there's a bit that really may be going, oh, um, at the end, near the end of the film, where. They're starting the investigation into um, how these things happened and um, into the women and try, trying to trying to catch them. And it's, there's the cops being like, oh, well, but you'd just be embarrassed to come forward, wouldn't you? And this, like, basically this really heavy-handed appropriating... It was of, so heavy-handed. ...of the rape culture yeah. and the victim-blaming. And they were like, oh, no, but now, oh, look, men are put in a position where they feel like they can't do these things that women have felt like they can't do for years, and isn't it awful? Oh, and it I was, hated that. I hated that. That made me feel really sick because I was like, if you you don't have to spell it out. If, you're already, if you don't have enough faith in your audience yes. to get it, then you're not telling the message. Like, yeah, I I agree with you. Like, I really felt like that was dumbing the entire... That was like, oh, hey, here's the message. (laughs) Yeah. Here it is neatly wrapped up on a plate for you. It made me cringe. And to to credit the, like, acting, Julia Stiles' face in that scene said it all. And I mean... Seriously, Julia Stiles is great. I love her. I do feel like she was wasted on that character because that character had had nothing to do except react. Yeah, true. But I did, I did enjoy. Like, I think that she did it better than your average starlet Mm -hmm. would do. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I completely agree. That scene was ultimate. It was the equivalent to me of the uh, Marvel. Um, Avengers Endgame scene where all the female superheroes come together and do that big sweeping thing at the end. It was that like, oh, just in case, just in case the ladies didn't get it. Look, we did a thing for you. Look. So I think it had really strong feminist messages, and I think you could interpret it as a feminist film, and you should, but it was not polished. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of not 
perfect slash polished. Wine. Rated. Wine. Polished off, perhaps. Um, Kim, how is your, uh, what was it called? The quintessence? Is that what it was called? Quintessence. Yes. Um, it's fine. It got less fake tasting as I went on, much like the film. Um, it was all right. Like, it's not worth £9, which is its full price. It's not worth £7, which was its discounted price. I actively would not buy it again. Um, I don't really think that it paired well with the story either, which is a shame because I, I really did actively think about it for quite a long time it, whilst I was in the shop today trying to pair like pair my choice with the feeling that I got when I watched the film and I don't I don't really think that it pairs but it's a perfectly fine rosé and it would make a lovely gift if you know someone who likes rosé I think it looks nice in a bottle and you just have to run away before they taste it <laughs> right a gift for people that don't ever drink their wine. <laughs> just it's a gift it. for people that you don't drink wine around. Okay. Yeah, it's fine. It's really nice um, in terms of uh, it's quite a summer's evening. Oh, um, Alex's scenarios with this wine. Oh, yeah. We haven't had that yet. Um, can, you, can you think of a specific one? If not, don't worry. Are you poking yourself in the face with it? Like, hmm. Uh-huh. No, I'm trying to think. I'm not feeling very imaginative today. So I like that it's called San Marco because it makes me think of the American game. Marco, Polo, Polo. Marco, <laughs> Polo. And that's literally the only relevance to an American film. <laughs> um, I'd give it, I'd give it a four. A four? Yeah, because per pound. Yeah, I like that it's just a light, a light white. My um, my great rating for quintessence, by the way, is probably two point five. The Fernet Prosecco, which is the most basic bitches of Prosecco, um, is tasty. It's good Prosecco. It's not too dry. I don't like Prosecco when it's too dry and you feel like you're drinking dissolvable paracetamol. Um, so 3.5 why not shall we rate Hustlers rate it Let, bitches let's rate Hustlers um, I'm going to give it a 3 I liked it I probably won't watch it again unless I'm hungover um, it was fine I really enjoyed it and when I watched it we're very much in a state at the moment where you need something uplif- uplifting and it was the right film at the right mood at the right time. Um, so if I think at the moment I would give it a four, whether I will always give it a four is another story. Because intele- intellectually, it doesn't stimulate me, if you know what I mean. Um, I <laughs> Not that it stimulates me in other ways. I really, really enjoyed it in the moment that I watched it and it was everything I needed on Monday evening during a lockdown. Um, I don't know if it's always going to be. Right now, four, maybe not in the future. Watch it in lockdown right now. It's available on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Available on Amazon. I'm going to rate it 3.5. Like, I... I didn't love it actually as a film. It's it's not really the kind of film that I enjoy, shockingly enough. Um, but I did I did get joy out of the performances and the idea of it. And I loved a little trip down two thousand and eight Dodge Lane. Also Ursha was in it, so you know, it's great. Um but I just <laughs> It's the kind of film that I appreciated rather than necessarily loved. And I I think that it was I thought that it was wonderful to watch. Like I enjoy I thought visually it was entertaining. 
and I thought the story was entertaining, but I didn't, it didn't blow me away in a way that I was hoping it would. And also it was, it made me uncomfortable, which is my own issue. But um, yeah, I think 3.5 is, is fair in that I thought that like you wouldn't talk about certain performances. I would have said like five stars. I thought they were excellent, but there are also elements of it that I thought were crap. So I was hovering between 3.5 and 4, but mostly I need to pee, so um, I'm going 3.5. All right. So thanks for checking out Grape Culture this week. Don't forget we'll be back in two weeks' time with a brand new episode for you. If you want to follow us in the meantime, we're on Instagram, where we are Grape Culture Podcast. We're on Twitter, at Grape Culture Pod. Or you can always check out our website, which is www.grapeculturepodcast.co.uk. And as always, thanks for listening to us and we hope you enjoyed it. So we'll see you soon with a brand new episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.